Some time ago, a company that's primarily looked at health and beauty as their product did a series of experiments. They invited several dozen people to join with them as well as a professional forensic artist. The two never met each other as a group or individually while the experiment was going on. But they would gather in a room one by one with the forensic artist, he in one corner of the room, individually the others in the other, and there was a curtain drawn between them so that they wouldn't see each other. As time progressed, the forensic artist would ask questions of them to, that allow them to describe themselves. And so during the time that they spent there together in the experiment, they would answer questions that would allow the artist to be able to put a sketch together that was to be their likeness. This was the first part of the experiment. The second part of the experiment was they allowed each one to be paired up with another in the larger group and to spend several hours together in social conversation. After the conversation was over again, each one would come back to the room again with the same curtain drawn between them and the artist, except this time they were asked questions to describe the person that they had just spent time with. And looking at the results, something startling came forth as well as eye-opening as when one looked at the two sketches of the one individual, one being from a stranger, the other one being from the person themselves, often they found very few similarities. In fact, the, the sketch that came from the acquaintance was so much more like the person that they had described and oftentimes shown more beauty than did the, the self-described portraits. Now, what this teaches us is, and you know, something we already know, is that oftentimes we do not see ourselves as other people see us. But something even more importantly, we oftentimes do not see ourselves as God sees us, nor do we value those things that God says will bring us the greatest joy, the strongest contentment, and the greatest life to live. The scriptures tell you and I as Christians that in Christ we are new creations. Old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. We are to live to a higher standard of morals. God demands it and the world needs it. You and I today, if we were to be asked, what does a normal Christian's life look like? And someone were to be asked to describe your normal Christian life. Would it be that that sketch would be drawn in such a way that we could see Christ in you? Now, of course, when I'm talking about a sketch on a scale of that nature, I'm not talking about facial features or body types, but what I am talking about is character, and I am talking about value systems. For you say, in Christ, we are called to live to a higher standard. We're called to live as a church to a destiny to become more like Christ in each and every day that we live, and yet so oftentimes we are distracted and we are detained from those things which would reap the biggest value of us all. Yet we give of ourselves to so many other things in life that distract and to keep us from that target. Turn with me, if you will, today to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be looking today at Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Having not a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal it, that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that your spirit would indeed enlighten our hearts and minds today in ways that would glorify our Lord, that we would see a deeper love in you, that we would understand the depths of of life that you desire us to walk in, and that we may be pleasing only in your sight. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If there ever was a man whose life turned completely around, it was the Apostle Paul. If you've ever studied his life, you, you understand in the book of Acts, we see him as being one who sought to persecute the church. He sought to kill Christians, and yet he turned his life around on that fateful day of meeting Christ to where he went out as a church planter and began to glorify God throughout the Greek world. Paul's life was one that we can say is an example of a life that is well lived. How do we as Christians today attain to such a position of sanctification? How do we live our lives in such a deeper way that we too may benefit from a godly life and relationship that we have daily through Jesus Christ? Well, as we look at this passage today, I believe that Paul gives us the secret that made that transition possible and also gives us an opportunity to look to a new year and say, you know, I'm going to reach forward for greater things. The first thing that we see as we look at this passage today is that if there is to be great gain in our life, it must be a matter of profit and loss. You see, Paul, before he went into the ministry, Paul, before his life was converted, lived a whole different lifestyle. His life was so consumed by the flesh and by those things in the world that he only knew one way to go. He sought to pull himself up by his own bootstraps and living by his own religious root system and his own radical law, commitment to the law. He sought to make something of himself. He certainly came from a family that was probably very wealthy. He was certainly one who got a high education, the best that money could afford. He was climbing the ladder of religious leadership in his day. And yet, there came a time in his life when on that road to Damascus, and you may recall it in Acts chapter 9, a time when he was going out to even persecute more, even arrest more of those who followed the way, who followed Jesus Christ. And yet, it was there on that fateful day that Christ met him face to face, and his whole world turned upside down. His whole life changed. We see this recorded earlier in chapter 4, or chapter 3 and verse 4, as Paul's referencing his life before his conversion, saying, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Paul really thought he was something. 
Paul really thought that he was going somewhere through his worldly activity and his mindset to do better than everyone else. He goes on to describe that type of mindset and those value systems that he put himself into in verses 5 and 6 saying, I was a Hebrew among Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee, as to the righteousness of the law found blameless, he says. If anyone was to have self-confidence, it was certainly the apostle Paul when he was known as Saul. But then when his life met Jesus, he changed completely. That is exactly how our lives are to look today, as you and I are to say to the world, we are Christians. Christ has made a difference in our life. Notice what Paul says here as we begin in verse 7. I count all things as loss for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. If we are to see our lives change, if we are to see that transformation take place, it's going to have to be at the point where we're willing to give everything else up to know Jesus Christ and Him only. To make Him a high priority in our life and everything else coming second. Paul had given his life to Christ in every area. He wanted to know nothing but Jesus. He says, everything else I consider to be loss. Everything else I consider to be rubbish. It means nothing to me. I don't want to see my life filled with self. I don't want to see my life filled with things of this world. I don't want to see my life being valued by other things or other people. But I want my life to be valued through my relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul wanted to be so filled with Christ that if a mosquito were to come by and bite him, it would fly away singing, there's power in the blood. And that's the way you and I should be living our lives. If we're to ever see our life change and see our lives transformed in such a way that Christ is our life, then it's going to cost us everything that we have. Jesus himself made those statements and gave those words that we are to be filled with him. In Matthew 10, 38, he said unto his disciples, he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has lost his life for my sake, will find it. Do you hear those words? You see, it's a matter of profit and loss. If we are to ever see our lives attain to a godly goal, to a, to a godly platform to where others see Christ in us, it will take everything we have to slide everything else aside, even ourselves, and say, all I care about is Jesus. Now, certainly we have to live life and we need to also go along with responsibilities in life. But Christ is a priority in everything that we do and everything that we say. You see, the normal Christian life is, is about profit from loss. We profit from giving ourselves completely and wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ. I remember a time when my brother came home from Vietnam. This was in the late 60s, and he had uh, been born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and he was a, a, a boy from the South. He was a young man who grew up with Southern roots, and I would not have called him a redneck then, but I'll call him a redneck today and be proud of it. But here he was, a, a soldier in Vietnam and surrounded by a unit who, who the men were made up mostly from those from New York. Now, for a night and day, for a whole year, he spent his time together with those who were from a northern persuasion. And when he come home, he didn't act like himself. He didn't talk like himself. 
In fact, he talked like someone from New Jersey or New York. And I looked at him and I said, Brother, what in the world has done happened to you? He said, what do you mean? I said, you don't talk like yourself. You don't act like yourself. You're somebody else. I don't know you very well. What in the world happened to you over there? Because you sound like someone from up north and you were born down south. You, you act like someone from up north, but yet you were raised here in a southern home. What in the world has taken place? And suddenly he realized that all that time he had spent with those other men in the confines of war had a change on his life. Can you imagine night and day how God would change our lives if we fully committed ourselves to walk with Jesus Christ every moment of every day? If we are to see this great transformation take place, it's a matter of profit from loss. We give up everything that we feel is worldly important so that we can know Christ. And that's what Paul says to us here in this passage. If we are to attain to this lofty goal of being like Christ, it will be because we have set everything else aside. Nothing is more important than my devotion to Christ. And when I walk with Him, I will know Him. And as I know Him, He will live through me. And He will make a difference in the lives of those around me. Because Christ is my life. Christ is to be your life. It's a matter of profit. For loss. Secondly, we see it's also a matter of position to enjoy. In verses 9 through 11, Paul makes it clear that this is something that we are to enjoy in our lives. I know so many people that perhaps even some who've walked into these walls today, and you're carrying a, a, a heavy load of burden. You feel the pain of separation and family. You feel the, the problems that come with lack of finances because of job loss. Perhaps there's pressures that are, that are way out of your control and, and you feel a lack of joy. It is when we walk with Christ that we are filled with joy. It's when we are in Christ that our spirit knows the joy of the Lord. Paul makes it clear in these passages between verses 9 and 11 that it is in Christ that makes all the difference. In Christ, we know what it means to know the joy of the Lord. We know what it means to know the power of God in us that we might live to that lofty attainment of power over sin. Paul writes here in verse 9 saying, I count all things as lost that I may be found in Him, that is, in Christ Jesus. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, our relationship is made up not of the things that we do. It's not, we don't earn our relationship with God. We don't merit that relationship with God. It's not based upon works, but it's based upon the righteousness that is in Christ. And by our repentance and turning to Him and our faith placed in Him and who He says He is and what He has done for our benefit that we find that great transformation take place. We turn over our sin to Him and we gain His righteousness. A righteousness that allows us to live above the sin and the temptations of this world. Paul says, I want to fully know Jesus because I want to be found in Him. It is a righteousness that comes through faith. A faith that you and I 
ourselves cannot come upon our own, but a faith that God initiates within us to where we can see the truth, we can understand the truth, we can believe the truth and turn to it and know what it means to live within the power of God. A life and relationship that could be and should be enjoyed each and every day of our lives. You see, it's only through Christ that I can find joy in the depths of sorrow. Paul states in verse 10 that being in Christ is a position of power. He said, I want to be found in Christ that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That is resurrection power. That's power over sin. That's power over the grave. That's power over the temptations that come our way each and every day. In Christ, we find the ability to reach that goal, which is to be more like him and to make a positive difference in the world. It's a power that we might be able to say no to temptations and yes to truth, to say no to the trials that come our way and, and stand in our way of triumph. It's an ability to rise above what we ourselves cannot do. Christ has done. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, saying, No temptation has overtaken you but such is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Christian, our position in Christ is one of great power and ability to say no to temptation and to say yes to God, to have victory over sin and live righteously in the world where we know that Christ reigns. Our lives should be so filled with joy that we are sitting here today just bursting forth with hallelujahs and praise unto our God. What has Jesus done for us? How has he provided for us a transition is through his own sacrifice on the cross. God has given to us everything we need for life and godliness through him. We have the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit to enable us to go forward and do what we could not do before. Author J.K. Rowling once said, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live in such a cautious way that you might not have done anything, you may as well not live, in which case you fail by default. So many Christians today are failing by default. We're living so cautious lives that we're not willing to risk those things for the glory of God and the building of His kingdom. We're afraid to turn loose of the worldly things or, or the monetary things, thinking that if I give up all these things, somehow I'm going to lose. But remember what Paul has just said to us. I count all things but loss in order to know Jesus Christ. You see, when we have Christ, we have everything we need. It's a matter of going forward knowing that God wants to fill us with joy in our giving and live righteously in this present age. So therefore, when we come to trials, when we come to hardships, we need to press on. Thirdly, it's a matter of having our projected goal set in order. In verses 12 through 16, we find that Paul is an assessment, giving an assessment of himself. He's telling us very clearly, I, I haven't reached that position yet of perfection. I haven't reached that position yet of, of, of having obtained all that God wants to give to me. 
So he lives in a day-to-day dependence upon the Spirit of Christ to fill him and enable him and guide him and teach him what it means to be Christ-like. You and I need to take an assessment likewise of our own position in our own lives and where we are today. Have we arrived at that place in our life where we're satisfied with all that God avails to us? Are you satisfied? Have you looked at your life and examined it in such a way that you have seen, I'm in a place where I'm comfortable? Then more than likely, you're not forging ahead. More than likely, you're not seeking to know what the next step is and and what God else has in store for you. Paul took an assessment of his life. He said, I I know I haven't reached that goal yet, that, that end place where God wants me to be. And where is it that God wants you to be? Where is it that God wants my life to be? Paul writes in Romans 8 and 29, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. You see, day by day, we are to live our lives in such a way of deep dependence upon Christ. And we are to walk with him in such a way that that we understand and we know that within us, we have no righteousness of our own, but we need the righteousness of Christ. Within and of myself, I know that I do not have the power to overcome temptation, but with Christ, all things are possible. And so therefore I live daily in dependence upon him that he may do a work in me of transformation. God's desire for your life and for my life is that we might look like Christ. That our lives would be a reflection of Christ in all that we do. He who foreknew you also predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Therefore we need to take an inventory. We need to look deep into our life and make a proper assessment. Where am I in this walk? Where am I in this process of of how God is working in my life and through my life? Lord, what are the next steps I need to take? You see, I believe that the second thing that we need to do if we are to reach that goal is not only make a proper assessment, but we also need to adjust our sights. So oftentimes, you and I are, are aiming so low we can't really hit the target. Some of you have been out target practicing with your rifles or with your pistols and and, and you know how it is you must aim and and, and look through those sights and you want to hit the bullseye, but when it hits the dirt, you know you've aimed too low. So oftentimes it's that way in our own Christian lives. God is wanting us to aim high. He's wanting us to look at those lofty areas of life saying, with Christ, I know I can do this. With Christ, I know I can share my faith. With Christ, I know I can overcome those temptations. With Christ, I know I can make our church stronger than it's ever been. Our sights must be adjusted. Oswald Chambers says, We are not called to be successful in accordance with ordinary standards, but in accordance with a corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying, becoming in that way what it never could be if it were all to abide on its own. Christ lifts us up. He says, look into the heavenlies. Understand that that my life is now your life. That my abilities are now your abilities. Paul writes in Philippians, also telling us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So why not aim high when we aim? 
because there we will find God's faithfulness true each and every day that we live. It causes us to realize that every day is an opportunity for a fresh start. Look at verse 13b and 14 in our, in our chapter today. Paul says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, getting our life right with God and getting our walk right with God requires you and I to press on. So oftentimes we allow the circumstances of our life to hold us back and we allow the failures of our life to slow us down. But God says, I want you to press on. Church, I want you to press on. You may feel persecution. You may, may feel suffering. You may feel loss, but press on. You may feel that the whole world is against you and you may feel that all your neighbors just want to laugh at you because you want to get up and you want to go to church and you want to worship. You may feel that your family and friends may, may make fun of you because you want to start a Bible study in your home to teach others about the, the awesome power of God and the privilege we have to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But my friends, God says, press on. We are to aim our sights high and recognize that through Christ all things are possible to those who believe. Paul boils it down for us. He says the Christian life is really not that difficult. It's really not that hard. In fact, he says, this one thing I do. You see, God knows that he needs to keep it very simple for us. God knows that he doesn't need to make it complicated. We, we have enough complicated relationships already going on in our life, don't we? God keeps it simple. He says to you and I, this one thing we need to do, and that is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. That's what Paul is saying. This one thing I do, I press on to know him. I press on to have him be first place in my life. I press on to that goal for the prize, which is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Is that where you find the motivation for godly living? Every day you and I should awaken with excitement in our soul knowing that one more day is drawing us to a position of being just a little bit more like Christ. As I, I devote myself, as you devote yourself to reading of the Word and to prayer and to seeking God through all that we do and, and in all that we're involved with, God draws so close to us. And we don't even recognize the changes that are taking place. But little by little, God is transforming us into the image of His Son. Paul says this one thing I do. Every day is a new day. Every day is like a fresh start. And so therefore I awaken with great expectation that my God rules and reigns upon the earth and is there to make a difference, a positive difference in my life. So let me ask you today, as Jesus has told us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Is that your mindset? Is that your heart? Profit comes from loss. We can have great joy in our position as Christians. Being in Christ is not something we should be ashamed of, but something we are very proud of. 
and pronounced to the world each and every day. And as we come down to recognizing all that Christ has done for us, He will make it possible for you and I to stand firm and see change take place. I want to ask you today to make a choice. We're coming to the end of, a, of another year. We're looking at New Year's Day approaching, and all of us kind of make fun about those New Year's resolutions. Well, I'm going to ask you today, are you where Christ wants you to be in your life? Are you in that place of, of walking with Him in such a fellowship that you know the power of His love and the depth of His heart and care for you? Make a new start today. Make a fresh start this year to devote yourself to having a closer walk with Jesus Christ. To allowing Him to stretch you in ways that, that you would never imagine the things that God would love to accomplish in and through your life. Find joy in that relationship like you've never found it before. And be persistent. To recognize that every day is a fresh new day. Every day is another opportunity that we might live for His glory and for the building of His kingdom. Chuck Swindoll said this, You needn't stumble into tomorrow the way you have lived in the past. Trust God. Trust God. Regardless of what yesterday brought into your life, regardless of what this past year has troubled you with, I want you to understand something. Today is a brand new day. And the power of God is there for your protection. The power of God is there for your benefit. The joy of walking with God is there for you except embrace. Father, we thank you for these words that the Apostle Paul has written. We thank you that through many trials and tribulations, his life was one that glorified you. May our lives do the same, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a few moments, the choir is going to sing and we're going to issue an invitation to you. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to your life today and the Word of God has truly touched your heart, don't sit back and say, well, one day I'll make that commitment. God has saved your soul for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to Him. It's not where your life needs to be. Make that commitment today. And if you do not know Christ as your Savior and Lord, but you know that there's something missing, there's no greater time than right now to commit your life wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, to repent from sin and say, God, I want to know you like Paul knew you. I want to walk with you the way Paul desired to walk with you. And I want to know the power of your spirit living in me to overcome the temptations and sin that come my way. If you've been visiting with us for a while and you've been thinking about joining First Baptist, there's no better time than right now. As the choir sings, as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, please respond. Please come down. Give your life to Christ in a way that you've never done before. Our staff will be here to greet you. I'll be here to greet you. The Spirit of God will bless you as you do.